Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. 1969 was a banner year for technological advancement. For one, it's the year humans first walked on the moon. It was also, and this is not unrelated to the technological advancement, right in the middle of the Cold War. 1969 in Finland was kind of a fraught time politically in a way that it was still the era of the Cold War, and we're right next to Russia. So our political relationship with Russia has always been kind of a tightrope. We've always gazed eastwards with, with care, and especially at that time. This is Maddie Hentinen, service coordinator at the Museum of Technology in Helsinki, Finland. Hello, my name is Maddie Hentinen, and right now I am the service coordinator here in the Museum of Technology in Helsinki, Finland. The Museum of Technology was founded in that banner year of 1969 by heads of Finnish industries. The idea was to make a general technology museum in Finland. The point is that it's not siloed by industrial sector. I think at that point, the global sort of zeitgeist, the technology of the time was taking massive leaps forwards. So at that time, there were these, let's say there was a coalition, in a very loose meaning of the word, of these gigantic, in Finnish scale, gigantic industry had sort of, let's say, the forest industry, which in Finland has always been massive. And then there was the metal industry, which in- includes the mining industry and, and the chemistry industry, things like this, who felt the need for some kind of preservation because they started to, in their respective fields, notice that things are changing and a lot of the old sort of wisdom, a lot of the old ways are getting put behind us in the past. I feel that is very unique in a way, or very nice in that sense, is that they actually came together and and made that decision that we will make this sort of generalized museum of technology instead of making a forestry technical museum or a chemistry museum or stuff like that. It was a cooperative mission, so to speak. So that that's actually how first our collection started to build. We got these big donations from different fields, industrial fields, that are still big parts of our collections. The newly founded museum decided it would use Finland's first water purification plant, built in 1877, as its main exhibit building. It's a delightfully squat round building that used to be filled with sand that the water filtered through. Water that would eventually be used for drinking or firefighting. Helsinki started to grow pretty fast after the 1850s or so. So after that, there was a real need for purified water and also because the city was mostly built of wood. So also the fire security was a big question. But yeah, basically, this is a giant round building which was filled with water and sand. This this place, of course, is very much part of the uh, Finnish industrial history. So it was like the perfect place because at that point... In the 1960s, when it turned into 1970s, and when then this uh, plant was closed down and the space was empty. One of the most common things that people say when they walk in that door, they say, oh, it's bigger on the inside. I was a Doctor Who fan, and then I sort of got the TARDIS-like feel when I came in. It was in this building that the museum first opened to the public in 1985. And some of those original exhibits were still being displayed until fairly recently. Back then... It was a very different museum. There was still a lot of the old museum thinking sort of like straggling 
by one of the 1985 exhibitions, uh, the old communication exhibition was still here, I think five years ago. So it had a really long sort of shelf life from that exhibition. And you could very clearly see that it was from a very different time, that it was filled with artifacts. It was filled with stuff. And also the texts were like super long, unreadable mostly, only in one language, which was Finnish at that time. It was not very approachable. It was really cool to just look at things, but it was not super informative. You got to you sort of guess, what is this? And then there was a lot of this like wall of text somewhere and you, that you had to go and find to be able to connect the artifact with the text. As we know, then the, the whole museum thinking around exhibitions has changed drastically. Today, with the new exhibits, the museum features much shorter informative text in three languages, Finnish, Swedish, and English. As the Finnish industry has changed, so have the exhibits. Giant machines used for forestry and mining share the open circular space with the tiny cell phones made by the Finnish firm Nokia and interactive touchscreen exhibits that teach the basics of computer programming. Visiting the museum in 2021, the Nokia cell phones look impossibly out of date. In a way that history tends to compress itself, a phone from 15 years ago looks almost contemporaneous to a TV camera from 50 years ago. But it wasn't that long ago, before the arrival of the iPhone, that it seemed like Nokia phones, proudly designed in Finland, would continue to be ubiquitous. Everybody had a Nokia phone at some point, and that all the movies were... I remember when The Matrix came out and they had they had their their phones and everything that they, it was like um, it was everywhere. And I think we're sort of still in that mind frame, even though Nokia has kind of declined from that. But the way the museum approaches the gulf between past, current and future technology is fascinating. The museum knows that even the most futuristic technology will one day be history. The past, the present and the future are all equally important. I think the Museum of Technology is in a special position in that sense that technology changes so incredibly fast right now and has been doing that for the past 100 years or so in Finland and everywhere else too. So we actually really need to be able to preserve the present and also stay one step ahead of the curve, so to speak, so we can guess what's going to happen in the future, so we can start uh, the preservation of those things so that we can sort of, in the future, have a comprehensive set of material remains in our exhibitions and in our, in our collections. And I think that is one thing that we really want to also for other people to see in our exhibitions that museums are not all about the past. Museums are not all about the material remains of the very old age. It's also about what happens now and what's going to happen tomorrow, because all of that is going to turn into history at some point. The museum is a museum of technology, not a museum of industry. So how does a museum that was founded by industry heads explore the full range of technological advancement, including, say, open source methods that are often developed outside of industrial contexts? So this is something that we have really heavily tried to integrate into our museum thinking here. We have cooperated with a lot of smaller companies or smaller hobby groups. Right now we have this one special exhibition that has amateur radio technology 
that has been built in very close collaboration with the actual hobby groups and the people who are the specialists in that, who know a lot more about this than any of us here in, in, in our museum staff do. That is one of the things that we really want to heavily push moving forward, that we want to collaborate with people from various backgrounds. Also, of course, the big industry, because that is obviously part of technology, but also the smaller groups. And of course, the innovation often, it, it begins somewhere small and, and not in the biggest sort of fields. It's somewhere small and somewhere like very personal. So those are the stories we actually love, of course, as museum professionals and, and cultural professionals. Like the tightrope of Finland's political relationship with Russia, the museum walks the tightrope of Finnish industry's relationship to society. Those moon landings probably wouldn't have happened in 1969 if the U.S. and the USSR weren't locked in a Cold War. We come clean with the fact that industry is a big polluter. Many of the things that have been done in this field and are still done in this field are incredibly harmful for the environment. So I think our stance in that is like basically acknowledging that fact and recycling is a theme that comes up in several different exhibitions that we really want to lift up. In Finland, the recycling part of everything has been going on since after the war because of the war reparations that we had to pay to the Soviet Union. The afterwar years were desperately poor in Finland, so everything kind of had to be recycled and we had to get really innovative about recycling. But still, the parts that come from industry, because consumers, we can only do it so much. But one of the really big things about being environmentally friendly is that we get the big industrial movers and shakers to understand that they also need to recycle their industrial waste, which can be incredibly harmful, and they get such vast quantities of that. The museum features a giant claw used to pick up and process metal scraps, as well as a completely crushed car, a block of twisted metal and rubber. Apparently, even the way cars are crushed has changed. Now, the rubber is removed first to be recycled separately. And that's why Hentinen says that the museum's new rule is short shelf lives for their exhibits. We are happy with our current exhibitions because they have all been renewed quite recently, but they have not been built to last forever. Maybe that is one thing that has changed from the past museum thinking that now we have built this exhibition and it's going to stay like this until the apocalypse. And right now we build a shelf life for, for our exhibition. So like maybe 10 years max, and then it has to be reviewed again. This has been Museum Archipelago. You love Museum Archipelago, but maybe you don't love that each show is only 15 minutes. Well, now there's a way to support the show while getting more. By joining Club Archipelago, you get access to hour-long episodes where I dive deep into pop culture about museums. Movies like 2006's Night at the Museum, 1966's How to Steal a Million, and 2001's Atlantis, The Lost Empire. With friends and fellow museum folks, it's a lot of fun. If you want to kick back and listen to a whole lot more about how pop culture reflects museums back to us, join Club Archipelago today for $2 a month at jointhemuseum.club. For a full transcript of this episode, as well as show notes and links, visit museumarchipelago.com. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring a friend. <laughs>